people and welcome to the Lemonade Budget for Champagne Social Butterflies, the aspirational podcast for hopeless people like your hopeless host, Donna Scott, the most hopeless of all of us in these hopeless times. How is your lockdown two going? Lockdown two, this time it's not going to work, is it? (laughs) Oh, good grief. It's not flipping lockdown, is it? It, all I know is that I feel stressed, I am not sleeping, <laughs> I'm having weird dreams and weird thoughts and things are affecting me strangely, but I am, on conversely, feeling super, super creative and it's like I've switched my brain from one gear to a different gear. I was feeling a bit burning outy, I must admit. Uh, last week because I've been doing so many online things like this podcast and all my YouTube comedy channel and I was thinking I just seem to be writing so much and getting things in at deadlines you know people asking for videos and I'm getting them in and it's like oh, I just feel so super super burnt out with trying to be all things to everybody and uh yeah, I, I just thought, I'm going to put a break on it a second. And I took some days off and I read some books. And you know how I've not really been reading that much this year? Oh my goodness, I started reading with gusto. I've left three reviews on Goodreads. I left a review of um, The Five, which I finished, and of Benjamin Zephaniah. And uh, this free book I've been reading called um, The Last Resort by Susie Holiday, which is a kind of very light science fiction-y thriller sort of based-ish on And Then There Were None by Agatha Christie. I mean, there's none of that written in the flipping um, acknowledgements, but it's definitely, definitely. Seven strangers who all have dubious morals and loads of secrets end up being invited to a private island. And they're not Kim Kardashian. After a bit of normality. So they, they go for a luxury week weekend on an island. And uh, a mysterious controller is, is, is revealing their secrets to each other. And then untoward things happen to, to them. So yeah, that's pretty much like. And then there were none. But doesn't have the same bite as Christie, unfortunately. All the same sense of mystery. I like it kind of like the, the ultra-modern settings, the, the meta way that uh, the book refers to um, Black Mirror because there's like a tech edge to everything. Um, but, eh, nah. <laughs> it's, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. So, yeah, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm reading a bit of Paul Cornell now. Yeah. I've bought The Children in Need... Doctor Who collection of short stories Lockdown Adventures it's called and I'll be reading that but I'm not reading that right now Paul's got three stories in that but I'm reading one of his novels uh, which is called The Seven Streets which is the sequel to London Calling which I read years ago I am kicking myself for not reading the follow up sooner because it's really good <laughs> so anyway yeah, lovely old Paul Cornell getting his name out there fantastic just been doing a little bit of multitasking because um, I was just starting tea. 
I have been doing meal plans for the last couple of weeks, not only to watch what I um you know eating so that I don't eat too much because I too fat, um, but also to make the pennies last a little bit longer, and uh, yeah, and it's not just because Christmas is coming. <laughs> Every day is like bloody Christmas at the moment. People watching stuff on telly. It's cold. I've got my thermal vest on. Christmas! <laughs> Moaning about the lights. Christmas! Avoiding mince pies. Christmas! Oh, good grief. We went for a massive walk yesterday. And, yeah, six and a half miles around Pittsford Reservoir. Spotting lesser spotted woodpeckers and lapwings and that was amazing on the drive home just noticed there's loads of houses that got their christmas lights up already not just in our street where flipping a few doors down never takes their christmas stencils down <laughs> because they are now part of the window <laughs> there's like a there, there, there is if you try to take them off the window will break <laughs> Possibly in a worse state of repair than our own house, which, let's face it, is always trying to not let it fall down. And that is the reason for saving money. Yes, now that we're in a position to, we want to make sure that this roof remains intact above our heads and does not fall down our ears. So what's on the menu tonight? Well, did a Sunday roast yesterday of... Mm, delicious oh, pork and so we've got plenty of pork to last for a few meals and tonight's version is going to be sweet and sour pork i went through the flipping cupboards um to look for the ingredients of sweet and sour because i knew we've got pineapple and we've got rice wine vinegar and i found this recipe book which is like 1980s as heck but actually mentioned some chinese ingredients so i thought oh, okay and so i'll tell you what i'll put in my sauce I have put um, spring onion, ginger, rice wine vinegar, uh, corn flour, chicken stock, and I haven't put any wine or sherry because I don't have any of that stuff. I've got I've got gin. I've got all the gin you want, <laughs> but I haven't got any sherry. Um, so I've put in a splash of Worcestershire sauce. Make it kind of more umami. Umami. And... It said to add some sesame oil as well, but don't want it too oily. So I've put in like half a teaspoon of tahini. Because that's sesame. And that give it a bit of a gloss, I think. So at the moment, I think I've put too much rice vinegar in and it's quite... It's more sour than sweet. Because uh, I've put pineapple in instead of sugar. So I want to see how, whether or not I need to add anything else. Maybe more pineapple? Who knows? And I was thinking, oh, that book's a bit 80s, but it's not as, you know, a patch on Ken Hom. I flip in find a Ken Hom. I have found on the floor here, Chinese cookery, Ken Hom's vegetable and pasta book. When, you know, it's Chinese book, but they call it pasta. That's just, hey... You know Italian stuff. Oh, hang on. This is 1994 this is published. Ken Hom's got long hair. <laughs> Ken Hom's got no hair now. I mean, this has got long hair. And, uh, yeah. So, in the 90s, we kind of 
knew about authentic Chinese, didn't we? We knew that the stuff we were getting in the takeaway wasn't authentic. You know, sweet and sour sauce and prawn balls. So what's also in this little pile, there's uh, The Higher Taste, A Guide to Gourmet Vegetarian Cooking in a Karma-Free Diet. Yeah, if you're allergic to karma, have a karma-free diet. <laughs> so this is one of those cookbooks that gets given away by um, Harry Krishna's in towns. And this one is from, when is it from? Does it have a publication date? 1996, oh, first in 1983. Yeah. And we dedicate his book to our beloved spiritual master and guide, his divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami. Prabhupada, who brought the transcendentality, transcendentally, can't say it, transcendental, transcendental teachings of Lord Krishna to the Western world. Ah. And it's got like all sorts of stuff in here. <laughs> and there's like a doctor, there's an illustration of a doctor um, pointing to a menu saying, I recommend the vegetarian plate. <laughs> you say he's a doctor because. He is wearing a lamp on his head and a stethoscope and a, and a suit and tie and a lab coat. And there's all... Who's this? Isn't it? There's somebody chopping a, a carrot in the picture. And what else have we got? There's coloured pictures. Ooh, Govinda's Natural Foods Restaurant in Australia. One of the Hare Krishna movement's many fine gourmet re vegetarian restaurants. Oh, Wow. That is definitely from 1983, that photo. There's like a little girl with her hair in plaits and she's got socks and sandals and like a Peter Pan collar dress. That is so me then. <laughs> wow. What else have I got, got here? Oh, there's a picture of four famous vegetarians. So, can you name some famous vegetarians? And no, Hitler is not one of them. Neither is Howard Jones, even though he would have been famous at the time of this book's printing. Um, right, okay. So, guess number one. This person painted a picture that is thought to be quite overrated of a resting bitch face woman. That's right, Leonardo da Vinci was a famous vegetarian. Okay, um, and this one here, he is apparently a count, but you might not think of him as a count. You might just think of him as a writer. It's Count Leo Tolstoy. And this one is... The person on an American note and kind of had something to do with electricity. It's Benjamin Franklin. And this is the person who did a really good joke <laughs> to a lady um, and wrote lots of saucy letters to Virginia Woolf and other ladies and people. It's George Bernard Shaw. No pig in his Pygmalion. <laughs> Oh, and then there's a picture. Seeing the soul and the accompanying super soul within animals as well as humans, the self-realised sage behaves kindly to them all. This is in the middle of all these recipe books. I, I like I like all this. Uh, it's like a, a Neapolitan cheesecake. 
It has got cream in it. It's not it's not vegan, but it's, it's as there's cheesecake in there. Uh rice pudding with um uh, raisins and cardamom. Oh that sounds nice. Uh sweet and sour tofu vegetables, almond cookies. Yeah. Yeah, there's some nice ideas in here. Yeah. Cauliflower pea pods and cashews. Pea pods? Oh, this is one cup Chinese pea pods, remove ends. Do you think that's like sugar snap peas? Hmm. Oh, what else have I got here? Ah, oh, I have got two fat ladies. Gastronomic adventures with motorbike and sidecar. That's the original hairy bikers. And this is from... This is from 1996. Yeah. And it's got loads of pictures of the two ladies, Je Jennifer and Clarissa. I really like those. They had a very, very personal speaking in the world. We had to listen very carefully as they enunciated, but they did try to speak slowly. Jennifer. And that's how they, they spoke. And they were full of life. It was such a good thing. And I remember, oh, they've got a picture of them. But it's all black and white because that's what they can afford. Uh, buying monkfish on the quay. At Mevergissey in Cornwall. Oh, it's my favourite place is Mevergissey. I love it. It's one of the places where they shoot pole dark. So I very much like, like doing that. I like going out on the boat in Mevergissey and going mackerel fishing. It is fun times. And they've got them in their wax jackets, all proper wax jackets they're wearing with the epaulettes. And they're off to buy a monkfish. Jennifer purchases a coolie the size of a bloody great mermaid. It actually says that. <laughs> Jennifer's fishing experiences. I used to collect shrimps when I was little at Fairlight near Hastings. And when I was a little girl in Shanghai Guan, I used to go walking with my ama to pick up jellyfish for jellyfish soup. Uh. <laughs> I also used to go out at night with the fishermen in Taomina to catch tuna, which they did by grabbing them by the eyes. Oh, don't you flippin' miss them. Oh, Jennifer Patterson. Oh, I know she, she passed away, but Clarissa Dixon, she's still going. Clarissa Dixon White's still going. What an amazing couple of women. They're just so eccentric. And, yeah, brilliant. And then I've got this book here, which... Uh, I bought in France, which is traditional cooking from southwest France, and some like really weird stuff. My mum's favourite. My mum used to love a gizzard salad. You might be asking yourself, what the heck is that? But it's something that's very popular in France, and it reminded her of being a little girl on the farm. Because when she was born, she was a bit of a surprise baby in 1942, and... Uh, yeah, her mother went off working and she was basically raised until the age of six by her grandparents or her nanny. And uh, so on the farm, they would have all sorts of weird chisel <laughs> to eat. 
she had a little little um, lamb which, uh, with a with a a problematic name because it had a black face, so she called him Sambo. I uh, said it, um, and she had a, a a rooster that used to come in the kitchen, her pet rooster, and um, what her pet used to think of her enjoying a gizzard salad. I don't know because gizzards are they are the uh, like little wattly bits on a chicken, <laughs> you know. You, they're not the things that you look at and think, hmm, they look delicious. <laughs> Your wattly bit on a chicken <laughs> under the chin. Uh, it's like a like a seed sack thing. And apparently you buy them preserved uh, confit. So it means like packed in fat. And then you, you make a salad up. So this is uh, with... Uh, Preserved gizzards, walnut kernels, vinaigrette dressing, one lettuce or broad-leaved endive, and three slices of bread. And then you have to f- cut the bread into small cubes and fry it gently in the pan with a little oil. And then you sprinkle walnut kernels and bread croutons over the plates with warm gizzards. And... Uh, yeah, serve immediately whilst all lukewarm. Eat your lukewarm bird seed sacks. Yum, yum. Oh, talk about things that sound a bit weird. Oh. <laughs> so, one of the last gigs I did online was a conversation with Mr. Badger. It's called Mr. Badger Talks to Utter Scum. And it's available as a podcast uh, on all the good places where you, you get your podcasts. And it's also available as a YouTube, and I, I I would recommend the YouTube. People have said seen it and said it's absolutely bonkers. <laughs> it's crazy. So if you don't know who Mr. Badger is, he is a character who has a badger costume with a kind of like it's 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 a badger. It is a sort of badger costume. It's, you look at it and think badger, but then you look at it and think it's not quite badger, is it? It's more like a kind of pillow <laughs> with ski mask <laughs> with like paint on it, <laughs> and this and uh, yeah. So it's Donald Mackerel's character, and he he puts on this. Donald Mackerel is a character as well. <laughs> well, one of the many characters that is, that bears this <laughs> that is this guy. <laughs> And um, he's like a children's entertainer who's kind of like really awful and definitely shouldn't be anywhere near children. Uh, so it's worth watching. It's weird. Don't say I haven't warned you. It's also extremely rude and probably upsetting. And then rude words are said. Very rude. It's rude. So, yeah, that's out now. That was out yesterday. I've got, uh, my next gig coming up is another time. I'm not going to be on awkward question time again. Next Sunday, the 22nd of November. So look out for that. Uh, it was really good fun last time. I don't know who I'm on with this time. Um, if you can look back through um, awkward question times, I can't remember the date I'm on, but I know that two weeks ago, one of my flipping heroes was on it, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Tony Slattery. Bloody love Tony Slattery. Slattery! The ubiquitous Tony Slattery, as he used to be known. Oh, my goodness. 
Oh, I, I so loved whose line is it anyway when I was a teenager. Me and my mum used to watch that on Friday Night Live. Oh, when my dad was down the pub, just sit and watch that and wait for our chips. Wait for our Chinese chips to come back. Magical times, magical times. That's kind of how I got into my comedy because of watching all that. I used to love watching The Secret Cabaret with Simon Drake as well, but I didn't get into weird magic. You'd be grateful to know. But, oh, I was quite upset uh, the other day when John Sessions passed away. And I did post online, I still got all my clippings of my comedy loves from back then when I found them in the, in the Express and Star. So I got my clippings, my pictures of John Sessions and Paul Merton and Julian Clary. Got a picture of Julian Clary. My mum really loved Julian Clary. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was, an, he's another rude guy, wasn't he? Really quite, quite sharp. <laughs> well, we don't see enough of Julian Clary these days, do we? Get back on the telly, Julian. Someone put Julian back on telly. We like Julian Clary. Just stop there to stop my sauce from boiling away. It has worked. It tastes very nice, but it doesn't, you know, the bright orangey colour that you'd expect when you buy a jar of sweet and sour sauce because it's got nothing orangey in it. So I think I'm going to perk up the colour with a bit of nice red pepper or something. Anyway, I just seem to have been still, I know I've been reading, but super, super busy during lockdown Do, And I think I'm really looking forward to getting some time back to try different things that I haven't actually done for a while. So NaNoWriMo, I think, is a bit of a pressure. Trying to write a novel in a month. Uh, uh, nah, just don't do it to yourself. The whole thing about writing is not only should you be productive and, and have something at the end of it but it should also be pleasurable so I have been writing a few more poems I've been you know writing stuff this weekend generally because I feel a little bit inspired and a little bit sad um, because it was the funeral on Friday of Ben North he was a friend and he was a flipping excellent poet, has to be said. Thinking about all he managed to achieve in his ridiculously short life spurred me on a little bit to, to uh, you know, get out of my, uh, my rut and start writing again. So I, I was finding things to talk about and, and work, finding the words. And I have a few things that are sort of like not finished yet, but they're sketched out and it feels good. It feels good to do that. And I've sorted out my novel that I'm working on so that it's all in one place, like I said last time. And just feeling the characters are starting to rise back up in me so, so I can start writing them. And yeah, this all feels good. This all feels good. I'm really looking forward to Wednesday when I start chatting with uh, my writing buddies from Northampton Science Fiction Writers Group again. Because we haven't spoken since February, you know, as a group. 
So that's going to be awesome. I'm really fired up about it. Really fired up. The thing about not being able to see each other in the flesh, as it were, is we can't meet. But I think a lot of us, a lot of the, the my writer friends, they had this kind of like solitary mindset anyway. Just because I was, think, mixing in with a bit of performance, poetry and comedy, I found it ne- more necessary than a lot of my friends to get out there and meet people. I think they were all happy with one or two weekends a year at a convention to chat in the bar. But, you know, we get a lot of bar done <laughs> at conventions. Because it's been so long. And that's why we end up missing panels. Because, you know, we just don't want to leave our friends and just want to chat. I think one of the good things about lockdown is that it has enabled us to connect in some ways that that we hadn't before. Like, you can go down the pub and you know there's going to be somebody there, you know. We don't know who, but how about the person you haven't connected with for a long time? I found since lockdown one that I have been talking a lot more with my arts lab buddies and with my university buddies. I think what I need to now probably do is make the effort to write to people a bit more, especially people who are not on social media because that's too easy, I think. Yeah, so maybe that will be what I do as we come towards Christmas. So writing people, no, not round robins. Blimey neck. Don't want to be annoying. <laughs> but, you know, I think people like to hear from you, don't they? they and at least they know that you're not going to ring the bell and <laughs> just turn up and say, I've come for a cup of tea, because you can't. I'm still enjoying all the walking as well. Anyway, for your listening delight, I will pop on a little recent sketch that I wrote for <laughs> Scribal Gathering, so you can see the crazy video I did of this online uh, under the Scrubble Gathering event from last Tuesday. And uh, I am like two hours, two minutes in or something like that. <laughs> um, or you can listen to it right here. So I've been Donna Scott and I am signing out. See you next week. Bye. Shh. It's me. Melania. You may have heard... I broke my silence by telling world I agree with my husband, Donald J. Trump. His claims, the election has been stolen from him. And I have said, the American people deserve fair elections. Every legal, not illegal vote should be counted. We must protect our democracy with complete transparency. First, let me just say, I did not say this. This was on Twitter. You might have noticed I barely tweet for last four years. Only last few weeks leading up to the elections, I tweet lots. Hmm. And I put a dot in front of my own name, as though I don't want me to see I was talking about me. Right? You want to know why this is? It's because it's not me. Go back a few years, I am barely spelling better than Donald. Unless it is very clear four-letter words like help. You might also have read that I was in agreement with my husband to do 15 years in contractual obligation of partnership, of which the expiry is imminent, and I am counting the minutes, about to go off like a pilchard behind the curtain, which is rubbish. 
It is seconds I am counting, and pilchard just under the rug, outside my bedroom door, excellent deterrent for keeping germ-phobic orange man away. Actually, fifteen years would be very reasonable. It would be nowhere near as bad as a contract with the devil. Or a record deal with Simon Cowell. No, problem is actually fifteen years is not including any fake Melania time. And you have all seen the fake Melanias do most of the heavy lifting. Because the wig and shades, they weigh a lot. And also Donald, when he gets horny, he's a crush injury waiting to happen. Many, many fake Melanias have died. But now, as we prepare to leave the White House, I want to allow the fake Melanias a voice. One they have been denied for so long. And so here, for scribal gathering, evening of poetry, using only verse form, fake Melania, I allow one of you, speak. Right. May I have your attention, please? May I have your attention, please? Will the real Melania please stand up? I said, will the real Melania please stand up? We're going to have a problem here. You're like you've never seen a fake flutters before, visiting the poor like she can have no flaws, and wearing a coat that says she just don't care, or in the media first half she's just not scared. It's the return of a, oh wait, no way, you're kidding, he just didn't treat what I figured it, did he? And the real Melania said, nothing, you idiots, she knew the fakes were locked in the basement. Chicka, 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 orange man, I'm sick of him, look at him, walking around saying he grabs you know what, and it's all fake news. Yeah, but he's so rich, though, and he don't like to lose. On the election results, thinks he can just press snooze. He wants to do TV interviews, tries to grab my hand, but I shake him loose. But I'm fake Melania, he couldn't be smarmier. He's not worth a squirt of laboratoire gagne. So what the real Melania, please step up, please step up, please step up. I'm fake Melania, he couldn't be smarmier. He's not worth a squirt of laboratoire gagne. So what the real Melania, please step up, please step up. Please step up. Thank you. I've been Donna Scott. You can't see my eyes. I haven't done my makeup. Bye. You've been listening to the Lemonade Budget for Champagne Social Butterflies with Donna Scott. Please like and subscribe. Give us a five-star review. I love you. Also check out Donna Scott Comedy on YouTube and my website, donna-scott.co.uk Music It looks like the future but it feels like the past by Dr Turtle on Flush Your Rolex EP